these random shows are a lot of fun. We had a blast, and uh, thanks to Dan for coming on once again and helping us answer some questions. If anybody else has any questions they want us to answer on the next Q&A, treethinkingpodcast at gmail.com or reach out on the social media and we'll make you part of it. And without further ado, we'll take care of some business and get right to it. This podcast is for informational purposes only. It is not, nor is it intended to be, a substitute for professional arboriculture advice and should never be relied upon to perform or direct arboricultural work. The Tree Thinking Podcast makes no representations as to the accuracy, completeness, or suitability of any information on this podcast and will not be liable for any damages arising from the use of any information in the practice of arboriculture or tree work. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the guests and their appearance on the podcast does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. The podcast and its hosts are not to be held responsible for misuse, cited, and or uns cited copies of the content within this podcast by others. The Tree Thinking Podcast may not be reproduced or distributed without the express written consent of the Tree Thinking Podcast. What do Poison Oak, Boom Trucks, Aerial Rescue, and a Q&A have in common? One thing is the latest Tree Thinking Podcast. This conversation ranges from clove hitching pizza to a vertical zipline disaster. Because on a random show... Who knows what's next? On this episode of the Tree Thinking Podcast, Jamie, Rob, and Andrew tell some stories from the field. Dan joins to answer some questions, and we dive down a pizza rabbit hole on Tree Thinking Random Show number three. All right, we got another episode going. This one, we're going to do another random show. So who knows what what's going to come up, but we got a few questions from the interwebs, and we got another five-star review. We'll get into a little stories from the field, but before we do that, I'm Andrew. I'm Rob. And Jamie. Yeah, we're on Tree Thinking Random Show number three. All right. Right? Yeah, so yeah. We'll see what happens. All right, so uh, let's start off with stories from the field. Anybody got any good stories? I was uh, swimming in Poison Oak this week. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's always fun. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, do you guys uh, get it, react to it? Not as bad now as I used to. Okay. Um, it used to be that if I if I even looked at it, I would, I would get a bad case. But now I can work around it and then get a little itchy, but not too bad. So I think my... Immune system just isn't the same as it used to be when I was younger. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because I've heard people say, all right, people who don't react to it, the more you're exposed to it, the more likely you are to react to it later. Mm-hmm. But then I feel like I've heard stories like that too, where, you know, prolonged exposure of it, eventually you won't really react to it. Yeah, I'm I'm the other way. So I used to never get it. As a matter of fact, I was always the guy that they sent to the Poison Oak job because I'd never, ha- I'd you know, do big removals that were just covered in poison oak, and it was not an issue at all. But now, really? just a little bit. It's not bad. Okay. Like, compared to people that get poison oak, when I'm like, oh, I got it. Isn't that kind of cool? Look, I finally got oh, it. Geez, yeah. You know, they're like, you son of a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> but uh, it, it it's a, I also just don't mess around. I, I'm because I got it a little bit, I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to start avoiding it. Why tempt it? You know, because I've seen people that got it so bad that their eyes swell shut and they're going to the hospital to get, you know, steroid injections. And I, I want nothing to do with that. Yeah, buddy I work with, he gets it really bad. And, 
you know, just, I mean, it was a week or two ago, so bad his arms were, like, swollen and stiff. Like, he couldn't really bend his arms, you know. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, no good. I've had... I've had it super mild a few times, and for me, it always takes like a week for it to show up. Oh wow! It, that's what it seems anyway. Yeah. It'll be like you know a little bit on my arm. Once I had it bad in in relative to me bad, where it was like a little bit on my face and some on my stomach, and that was miserable enough to where I'm like really careful. Yeah. But that time I had to like cut it off a tree, you know. Yeah. And yeah, uh, yeah, that's a. Uh, recipe for disaster i think for anyone <laughs> that, that the first time i got it it was cutting these big vines that were wrapping yeah. around a tree and the the wood chips from cutting were like going down and hitting my arm right where there was an open wound yeah. and then that open wound around it it looked like it was infected Ooh. but it was you know i'm i'm not complaining at all to the people out there that their that face swells yeah. shut yeah, yeah, yeah exactly this sure. is not me complaining yeah. you know what but worked the what worked the best for me was uh using something called oral ivy and it's like a um like a tincture that you take a couple drops a day and okay. you you build yep. up uh some i don't know if it's immunity or that's what interesting it does. that goes back to that like prolonged exposure like you're actually exposing yourself yeah yeah he does that doesn't he yep yep my buddy ganesha would eat the leaves yeah so i have another buddy i work with freaking leaves you're kidding me (laughs) i work with doesn't doesn't react to it you know and we just i just did a aerial rescue training with these guys the other day and on the the ash tree we were we were going to train in there was just a small sprig on the tree and i was like his name's Jason. I was like, hey, Jason, can you come over here and grab this? And yeah, barehanded, just pulls it off the tree. Yeah. <laughs> and then one job, uh, I think someone offered him money. as like, oh, yeah, go ahead and eat that poison oak leaf or whatever. He eats it. He's done it a few times. Well, you know? Ganesha Ooh, gets it. He's fine. He eats it to build his immunity. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this guy. He gets it bad. Later, he had an upset stomach. And who knows if it was from that, but obviously <laughs> I had to say, well, yeah. dude, you were eating poison <laughs> 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 I feel like you're tempting fate if you're yeah, poison oak yeah. you know. I, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, there's the there's that oral ivy tincture, and then the technu. If you know you're gonna get into it, that it will wash the oils off. But once you know, if you get it, if the oil's already on, you know, you might minimize it by getting rid of any old oil. But it kind of is what it is. But if you wash beforehand, then it will like kind of. I don't know if exactly the science behind it, but. You put it on beforehand, and I think it helps quite a bit. Yeah, I've heard that too, and we were in it this week, and we were just kind of reapplying it as we were working, you know, yeah. just putting it on ourselves. And then as soon as I got home, like cold shower and nice. scrubbed down with it, and not, no spots yet. Yeah. You know? Yeah, Lacey, one of her professors in school up at OSU, helped develop te- uh, Technu. Oh, nice. And that's what he said is you got to put it on beforehand. It's way more effective. But if you, you know, if you put it on afterwards, it'll help some. But, you know, do it beforehand is the trick. Other stories from the field. Well, we um, we we got a new bucket truck uh, a couple months ago. And then actually shortly after we got it, it broke and we had to bring it in for a pretty significant repair. The uh, the ping, pinion in the worm drive that rotates the bucket truck, one of the teeth broke off on the uh, or the ring, and um, so so basically we had to replace the whole motor that rotates it and the gears in there. Oh, and uh, it it wasn't a safety related issue, so that was you know a good thing. But um, 
just another example of you buy used equipment, plan on paying some money to keep it maintained. Yeah, <laughs> well, and so that's that's what I've always heard about bucket trucks is they are, you know, you can't do it faster if you have the good access with a bucket truck. Yeah. That being said, you better use that thing because it's going to cost <laughs> yeah. you. You know, they're they're a big piece of equipment that requires a lot of maintenance. And I, I was actually hanging out with the guy that works for Wright, um, and he, he was saying that the new trucks break down just as much as the old trucks. That it's just, you know, their they're, they're trucks, all of them constantly break down. Interesting. Kind of crazy. What What's your experience with the bucket truck at the city? Does it, how much, like, maintenance and repairs does it need? Well, at the city, I'm, I'm trying to think. I don't know if it's gone in more than a couple times where, or where, like, something, something broke. broke down and we had to, you know, shut it down. But what this the city has fleet that maintains, you know, all the equipment for the fire department, police department, all this stuff. And so we just have uh, preventative maintenances. You know, they have it all planned out. And so we send the equipment in and they stay ahead of all the maintenance. And they know, you know, they, they do a great job of keeping things running. Nice. And then so you guys it's an all-tech truck, right? Yep. And then does all-tech come out and, like, do an inspection or something? I believe they... Uh, I well, I mean, like you were there. I think I, there. I think they do a yearly yeah. inspection of all the lifts. Nice. Oh, is yours an all tech lift? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, you could probably reach out to them. Yeah, especially. Yeah, they're, they're sending us some parts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just reached out, huh? <laughs> yeah. It, it it was interesting. I, I I don't regret buying a used truck because we got it for a good deal, and even after you know this. $10,000 repair or whatever, it's still going to be cost effective, but... Oh, yeah, that's just part of doing business. Yeah, it, it's just uh, just one of those curveballs when, yeah. uh, when, when you're not really expecting it. You got to expect the unexpected. How are you guys liking <laughs> that truck? Oh, it's sweet. Everybody loves it. They'll, they'll fight over it in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it really is hard to beat if you have the good access, and just, like, the ease of doing the work is uh, incredible. It's a different game, though. Apples and oranges. And on, like, a big, on big trees, a lot of times you do the best work if you send a guy up in the middle of it and climb out and do the interior cuts, interior deadwood, and then just use the boom truck to simultaneously get the outside. Oh, yeah. Nice. You know, that that's when you're really cooking with gas. Because, you know, and also the, the guy in the boom can go up and set a line or set pulleys, set rigging up, and just t- do all that real fast. Nice, nice. Yeah. Me and Corey were doing that uh, earlier in the week. And, you know, I'd go and work a branch in to the point we were removing these uh, some dead branches and I could work it so far, but then the boom didn't have access. But then it made it real easy where Corey just had to lower down a couple pieces. He didn't have to, like, you know, try to squirrel out to the end of this sketchy limb or, you know, so it was just, it worked great. So there's a, there's a, like a rigging point on the, on the uh, end of the bottom boom. Mm-hmm. You guys ever use that for like, like the craning pieces? The lower boom has like a little, a little yeah. point. Yeah, yeah, we've used it for lifting wood. I don't know if we did at the city, but yeah, the we company never I used to work for. Yeah, we you know we lift wood into a, a truck. Okay, like that, yeah. nice. So it's like a little we, crane. Yeah, yeah. Because I've never heard of that before. Yeah, like the. But then when we got the truck, it's like, well, there's a rigging point there. Yeah, we looked into it, and I guess the like a thousand pound capacity or something yeah Yeah, we used it a lot nice our bucket also had a material handler on the front so like lightweight static stuff we would pluck out of the tree 
almost like a tiny crane. Really? You know? <laughs> yeah. Really? Yeah, I would do like pruning with it. You know, you'd have the bucket come over and you'd tie on the piece. And then a couple hundred pounds. Yeah, pretty small. I think we kept every everything under under five hundred for sure. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. But still, five hundred pounds is that's a pretty heavy. Yeah, yeah. You know, pretty big piece of yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I've I've never used the one at the city. I think Steve, who actually used to work at Sperry a long time ago, yeah. and was out on the city crew before I got on the city crew. I've heard Big sto- Eagle. Yeah, Big Eagle. <laughs> <laughs> I think he used it that piece a couple times. Okay. But yeah, I never have. I don't know. Part of it is shortly after I got there, we got the log loader. So we got a big log loader trailer. So there's not as much need for it. You know, you can yeah. just drop it on the ground, and then if you got the log loader trailer, gra- you just grab it with that grapple arm and put it right on the trailer. So yeah. that makes it easy. Makes sense. And when we would do that, we weren't, like I said, it was like static stuff. So yeah. we didn't have anyone in the bucket. It was run from the ground, you know, and go over and pick small pieces out of the tree. Yeah. yeah. Be careful with that. Read, read your specs. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. You know, we've, we've done aerial rescue training where we repel out of a bucket, you know, just to practice going through those motions. And so I was thinking for a while, like, you know, for smaller trees, you know, if there wasn't a good tie-in, could I just boom up above it and then repel out of the bucket and work the tree yeah. from that position? And you're not supposed to do that because you might be pulling at different angles. Oh, really? You know, if you run out of a branch, you know, then that, that boom arm is just a big lever that you're pulling on. And so I'd imagine that's something you'd have to watch out with when you're rigging also if you kind of rigged it off at an angle, yeah, you know, or used a redirect, then instead of pulling down on it, you're pulling over on it. I bet I wonder. Yeah, it's probably, tip, it's not a good idea to rig off the bucket, you know. Yeah, no. I, but I feel like small static picks with the, uh, yeah. you know, if it has a material handler is made for that. You know? Yeah, well, and that's, there are buckets that I think are rated to be able to be climbed off the bucket. Oh, really? I think. I'm far from an expert on bucket trucks. so like, I know that rigging point is designed to be like a uh, used for craning. Yeah, on the lower boom. Yeah, on, yeah, 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 on yeah. the lower boom. Yeah. <laughs> Did you ever see that video of, I think it's this dude named like Jimmy Grand on Instagram who <laughs> had like two buckets fully extended and like swung from one to the other like this massive rope swing have yeah. you ever seen that well so he was tied into one bucket right yeah that and was then fully extended and then he rode the other bucket up and j- jumped out of it right yeah. nuts nuts so <laughs> and he'd even be like i don't even care i know there's gonna be people hating on here yeah. <laughs> like man it takes all types man I've, I've definitely done stupid stuff before so i you know i can only criticize so much but i can't say that i've jumped out of a bucket <laughs> hanging from another bucket so <laughs> But Whoa. it was a pretty freaking crazy video. Yeah, yeah. You know, maybe don't do it, but look up the video. It's <laughs> a pretty cool it. video. <laughs> what was your week like? Man, my week. So I I got my second shot of the Pfizer vaccine uh-huh. on Sunday, and it knocked me down, man. It knocked me down. So I worked on Tuesday when I was, you know, booming and Corey was climbing. Uh, but even that day I was knocked down and I really only worked part of the day and it, it's, uh, it's been an interesting kind of few days of side effects where I haven't been going to work and I feel good if I'm resting. But as soon as I start trying to work, like if I start, you know, like 
before the podcast started, the kids were going over uh, on a sleepover and they left some stuff and I ran over to give it to them so I could try to get there before they took off. And I was winded by the time I got to the car. I was like, oh, oh it just like my energy reserves are at zero right now. I'll feel good if I'm just sitting watching TV as soon as I start working. Like uh, Thursday when I was working, I remember climbing up uh, the ladder to get up into the bucket and like getting to the top of the ladder and stopping like, oh, gosh, that took it out of me. And just being like, ah, this, I'm, I may be in a little over my head right now. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, and then just mentally, I'm just fuzzy and, you know, kind of all over the place. Interesting. Spacey. Yeah. yeah. But uh, apparently, uh, you know, we talked to the Lane County Health, the kind of local uh, authority on some of the medical stuff around here. And it's all within normal. You can, you know, you can feel like off like that for, uh, 10 to 15 days and, and they're, they're not worried. So I'm still within the realm. It doesn't have happened to everybody by any means. I I know a couple people that got their second shot and were just doing great, but yeah, the microchip is really, uh, (laughs) it's really having a hard time integrating with my genetics apparently. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So not a lot of good stories from the field for me oh, yeah, this I guess week. Yeah, kind of been out. Huh? Yeah, I've been out. But, you know, that's, I guess that's part of it is knowing when to go and knowing when not to go. Listen to your body. If, if, you're, not, uh, if you're not up for it, we, we have that kind of job where if you're not there mentally or physically, it can go from, like, the best job in the world to a kind of sketchy situation. So yeah, maybe that's the lesson for me from this week. I did a rescue training this week, which I mes- mentioned. That's oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. We started off the morning with first aid CPR class. That was cool. I think I had that, and mine lapsed, like, right before COVID. And then it's just, like, you know, there really no way to get it again. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I got that again. And then in the afternoon, we went out and, you know, did a handful of different scenarios on an ash tree property. We started off with lowerable base anchors. And the one I show, and the one I think is most practical and easiest to get everyone to use and has a bunch of options, is if you have a base tie, you know, say it's a running bowling backed up or whatever, you just put an alpine butterfly above that bowling on your, your base tie, right? Yeah. The line running up the tree to your tie-in point, an alpine butterfly. And that uh, that gives you options, you know, a lowerable base anchor, there's arguments against it. Like it's not going to help you all the time, but it gives you options if something were to go wrong. Right. Oh yeah. Better totally. than not having it. Yeah, yeah. We, we use it all the time and we're, we use an inline eight. Okay. You guys yeah. use a, a yeah. figure eight. Yeah. Like an inline figure eight. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And the butterfly is the simplest for people. It's like, there's no extra gear. It yep. takes five seconds to tie an alpine butterfly. You know, and what are the options with it? If you have a porter app and you're rigging on the tree, someone needs to be lowered, you know, clip that to the butterfly, you know, vector the line, and you can usually weight it enough to lock it off, untie the bowline. Yep. I think you'd be okay cutting the rope at that point, too. I think they kind of say not to, but, you know. Well, I think that it if depends the on the scenario. If the tension's off of it and, yeah, yeah, depends on the scenario. Definitely depends on the scenario. And if you know what you're doing, and I – one, avoid cutting a rope at all costs. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, but if there was a inline, if, you know, if it had a, a running bowling on it, I'd imagine if you cut 
the loop itself. Yeah. So there's a knot there that'd probably hold every all the innards yeah. of the rope together a little bit. So don't you know don't cut ropes if you don't have to. Yeah. Chances are you're not going to have to ever cut a rope in your career. But you know it's also good to understand you know the do's and don'ts of a crazy situation in case you ever got in a crazy situation. Yeah. <clears throat> and then the other option is there's probably multiple climbers. So one climber could throw his saddle on and his climbing system or their climbing system and run over and clip it to that alpine butterfly, moving rope or single rope, whatever, sit into their saddle, undo the bowline or clip that little loop, you know, once the weight's off there and then belay people down that way. Yeah. So it's, it's awesome. It gives you options, and it takes five seconds to do. No extra gear. Totally worth it. it yeah. Everybody oh. should do it. I've actually performed an aerial rescue. Um, we were doing a rec climb at the uh, Olympic trials. We set up a, um, a station, and we were actually taking, like, 100 people a day climbing. And um, one of the guys just started, like, stroking out on the rope, seizing. Like, he he was just shaking, and... Uh, and unconscious and um we had everything all preset on ids uh-huh. to where we could lower him from the ground so i just ran over there lowered him down he was down in 30 seconds and wow. started working on him and um it's the same concept well it's exactly you know? the same concept the only difference is at the olympic trials it was set up so we would put the person on climbing gear they would climb up and then instead of switching them over we would lower them down to oh, the ground so the whole operation the was done from lowerable anchors so yeah. we just put them on ascenders and they would do, all they had to do is know how to climb up we just teach them how to climb up the rope yeah and they would climb up and then we'd lower them down once nice. they got to the top yeah and uh and so it, it it was pretty cool it was like the guy started you know having a tough time and he was on the ground in 30 seconds yeah. And and this is the same concept. Yep, absolutely. So uh, a couple things that I do when I'm because uh, the when I'm climbing a line that's long enough so that, you you know, you couldn't lower it f- with what I got. I'll do that in line butterfly. And then I'll take another climbing line and I'll just put a, you know, put a carabiner on it and clip it. So it's already oh, good nice. to go. That way, if something happened, uh, my grand help doesn't even have to try to find a rope and try to, you know what I mean? Because when you're panicked, do you want someone that's panicked tying your safety knot? I mean, if you don't have any other choice, obviously. But, you know, that way it's already there. It's already out. It's good to go. And then I'll, uh, I'll wrap. Uh, when I'm wrapping the, the running bowling around the tree, I'll kind of bring it at an angle. That way, the person on the ground could just take the climb line that's already hooked off, hook it to a, you know, to something, uh, uh, rope or not rope wrench, but a uh, lowering device. Lowering device, yeah, porter wrap. Because a lot of times, I'll put the porter wrap there so that they can use it, and then it's right there, so they can they could hook the rope to the porter wrap, and then they could just rotate the bowling around and that would give you slack right off the bat and so then they could just untie tie it real easy once it's already secured that's a smart little step yeah i like that i actually haven't haven't taken that into consideration because we were like when the when we were doing the scenario or whatever you know you'd sit in your saddle if you're belaying if you clip a climbing system to that butterfly and sit into it we were kind of shimmying it up the tree but that's not always going to be the case it's not always you know maybe there's a burl right there or whatever it's not always going to be the option yeah that's cool yeah. Rotate it around a little bit. 
Yeah, that, that'd be a good one for us to make a video of because I, I wonder if I explained it good enough. I like to rotate it around when I'm when I'm setting my base anchor. I like to rotate it around and then pull on it with a little bit of advantage just to set the the knot. Okay, yeah, you yeah. Know, just to put it under some load and kind of set the knot yeah. before I hit yeah. up. And that trunk fi friction will take a little bit of weight off your tying point too. Yep. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah, if it was a fur or something, you could wrap it around the trunk <laughs> yeah, a few so times yeah, and then tie times. it off. And then, yeah. <laughs> well, and then you wouldn't even need that porter wrap. Yeah. You know, I mean, it wouldn't be ideal, but you could have you someone. Get a long could, enough rope. Yeah. yeah, someone could just untie it and just let you down. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, what are the limitations of a base tie? Typically, well, say a chainsaw cut, someone's probably out on a limb, lanyarded into that limb, and then they cut their arm or whatever. Yeah. Need you to be need to be lowered but they're landed in yeah you like, know, maybe if they just cut themselves they can undo it and you can get them to the ground still or there's all this stuff in the way you know basically yeah. if they're landed in or there's obstructions they can't really be lowered you're gonna have to get someone up there anyway so we talked about access lines like i think that's the safest you could be or like the most prepared you could be but it's something I don't do. I'm always like, yeah. oh, I'm going to do that. I, you know, I need to make a point to do that. But I'm going to now in sketchy trees. And uh, what I have in mind is when I go up to Salem pulling, you know, doing storm work, like there's some pretty gnarly situations you get into. So yep. I'm, I'm just going to hang a rope. Well, and that was something we talked about when we were doing the rescue rally. Because we noticed uh, there's different scenarios, some with a line already set, some, you know, where we had to set the own, our own line. And I remember talking, you know, after these scenarios and kind of breaking them down. And one of the things that we walked away with is that is the fastest way to get to a victim. Bottom line is if there's another line already set in the tree. Yeah. You, you know, because spurs are fast too. I mean, if you're fast on spurs, I know I'm not my buddy, Charles, I'd trust him to rescue me. <laughs> you know, yeah. flies up the tree on spurs. Well, and some of that though is also, uh, with spurs, that's another piece of a gear you got to find and put, put on, on yeah. you know, so there's just setup time, which, you know, if you're quick, you can do it pretty quick, but yeah. it's just another step. Yeah. You know, every extra step is another thing that can go wrong. And then you're rescuing someone, you're bringing them down and you have two spikes. A lot of times you try to bring them down kind of between mm -hmm. your legs. Yeah. And you know, you got two spikes right there and you know, in a training scenario, uh, that's not a big deal. You're, but when you're again in the moment, you forget things, you overlook things. And I could easily someone see a slip and a spike, uh, just, you know, through that adrenaline and kind of craziness. So you're, you're just removing a couple of sharp points out of the rescue. Yeah. You know, and I've even done, I've done spur pull rescues where you, sp I spur up to them and I set a choke line off to the top, get them onto my line. And then I just kick, you know, take my spurs off real quick and then bring them down because I don't want to, you know, be trying to maneuver them with a couple spikes there. You put them on your system? Uh, so I've done it both ways where I put them on my system and I've also done it where I set up a, you know, because theoretically they have a system already set up where they're choked. So if if they've got a good, you know, I've, I've basically trained where if they've got a good system, I can lower them down on their system. And I've also trained where if their system's compromised, I can put them onto my system and just bring them all down in one. What are you climbing on when you put them onto you? Uh, I would just choke it right above the top 
Um, and then to be honest, it was a few years ago that I was doing the training. I can't like remember. A rope wrench. What system were you climbing on? Oh well, yeah, I was climbing on a rope wrench. Yeah, it's interesting because, but you couldn't do that with a rope runner. Yeah, because that's a one person. You you got to know the gear you're on, and uh, that's a good point. And you don't know if your hitch is going to handle two people either. Yeah, well, you need to know. You need to. That's why you train it. Yeah, because that that was uh, one of the issues is that that hitch would get super tight. Oh yeah, and, or it could just slip. It could just go. Yeah. So it's not recommended. It, you, if you're gonna do a pickoff, you need a system that's uh, rated for a two person load. And there's yeah. a few descenders and, out there that are. Yeah. Yeah. The Petzl ID rescued ascender is. Is it? Yeah. The rescue ascender okay. is. Rescue ascender. Yeah. yeah. Rescue descender. Yeah, okay. Not not the regular ID. The, yeah. The red rescue one. ISC has one. The D four D five something. Like that. Or you could get. That's my knowledge actually. I'd, Pretty sure about that, but you could probably also get that seven hundred and thirty-five dollar <laughs> rescue pulley. pulley. But honest, honestly, a Grigri is rated for one person. But I know the yeah. Grigri. I've repelled hundreds of miles on a Grigri. Yeah, I know it like the back of my hand. I can repel with you on and me on a Grigri. Yeah, but yeah. all these things are designed to slip at a certain weight, right? For like fall factor. Um, I know that the Gregory will slip at a certain weight, but it won't with me and you on it. Yeah. You know, but that's just cause I know it. Yeah. So I, what I would recommend to people with in rescue is, you know, train if, this if stuff. My brother, if my brother's up in a tree and he needs to come down and I know the gear, but it's not used within the specs of the gear or it's not recommended to be used in that way within the specs, but I know that gear like the back of my hand and my brother's up there, I'm going to get him down. Yeah. But I don't recommend if somebody doesn't have like an extended amount of experience with something and and actually know that piece of equipment to the extent that you need to and to be able to use it in that situation. So I, I agree with what you're saying, but I want to, and you've already made the distinction, but I'm going to make it again. You got to know the gear because what you're flirting with is making two victims. If you're using a piece of gear that's not rated, you know, it's rated for one person because somebody's tested it and it didn't test for two people. So you got to really be careful. You know, I think, like, hey, I appreciate you coming for me, brother. Yeah. You know? <laughs> that being said, I don't want you to get hurt coming for me also. Sure. And these things are tested to do what they are. So I think the smarter solution, that's like the, hey, you know, I got caught off guard and I just need to do what I got to do. I think the smarter answer is train this stuff so you know exactly how to get that other person down and so that you're prepared whether or not you need to get them on your system and get them down or you're prepared whether or not you can bring them down on your own thing and you already got that equipment on your truck and in a rescue kit. I'd say a good example of uh, of a situation where um, you might be doing something that you generally wouldn't be doing unless it was an emergency would be on the lower lower down system like we're talking about having yeah. a, a basal wrap and a and a anchor down lower that you can tie into to lower someone out if somebody's injured and they need to come down now and it's basically the only option for whatever reason to hold the lo- the rope and lower them out I would I would feel comfortable doing that with a couple people, you know. If we oh, had, so if like we had a friction, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I would lower down. Boy Scout up with just with hand friction. If I had several people with me, 
Yeah. I don't think I would do that by myself, most likely. You know, depending on the scenario, depending on, on the weights involved. And, I mean, it, it's it's a pretty touchy thing. I mean, the yeah. and, and when it comes to rescue, that's, that's from what I understand, I, I've, I've worked with a lot of people on aerial rescue, and from what I understand, you're profession. If you're a professional and you're experienced to, you know, you have a certain amount of experience to where you're proficient in high angle rescue, then it you it's your professional judgment call. It, you don't necessarily have to follow the guidelines to the T that are recommended by manufacturers and whatnot. It's, yeah, well, it's so you're not going to go to jail because you rescued someone and you broke the the industry standards. Yeah, I get what you're saying. That's like a realistic thing. But like best practices would be to have a backup so you're not falling or it, someone oh and like yeah. yeah. And if fall. you're a professional then you know that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, know? yeah. If you don't know that then you're not a professional. We yeah. we've <laughs> been uh, also we've been training for over 20 years in aerial rescue and we've, you know, been training with firefighters for what 15 years? Definitely. So we we have a uh you know, we've got a lot of experience. I get nervous telling that, you know, not making that distinction if there's potentially someone that doesn't have that experience and just hears you say, hey, in an aerial rescue scenario, don't worry about <laughs> the the guidelines on the gear. You know what I mean? No, make sure you understand. And that's why I keep going back to train in advance because yeah. that's how you get the experience and that's how you can make these calls is by putting hours and hours and hours of make, doing these trainings in. Well, that's why I took issue with the pickoff on a hitch is because it's not really designed for that. Maybe yeah. you've tested it once, but maybe your hitch is a little more glazed that day or something like, you know, it's not, yeah. not best practices. If you're going to, you might as well just bring up a separate line if their system's compromised and create a system for them. Yeah. Unless you have the equipment that's a uh, rated for it. I, I, I don't would, know. I, you know what? I would agree with that. And so when we were training that we were trying to come up with different, uh, different trainings to kind of say, well, what if this is the situation? What if it's just you and you get up there and this is what you got or what, you know, we're also looking at how do you do it with a minimal amount of gear? Like what's the least gear you can get someone down with? I rescued someone with a strap and three carabiners. Yeah. No well, harness or nothing. Yeah. The, <laughs> I'm, I'm so serious. the, <laughs> I, the, the least amount of gear we needed coming in was a rope and two carabiners. I think is what we were able to get someone down. Were you, were you at that training that we did? Uh, where, where we were doing the training and then the guys, the instructors that I was hiring to work with me, uh, just threw a, a strap, a long strap that I turned it, made into a harness and three carabiners and I climbed up and rescued Asa. I don't think I was and, on, was that up in Blue River? Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't at that one. Yeah. That was really cool. Well, and so they were just like, get them out with this. I was like, all right, I'll do it. Nice. Built my own harness and climbed up there. (laughs) Yeah. And I think, I think what we, so what we were doing, we were, when we did a rope and two carabiners, what we were doing is how do you get a guy off of a pole when they're, when they're, uh, when you don't trust their system and it's just you and they're tied in right at the, you know, within like five, six inches of the top of the pole. And I think we built like a two, like choked the, the tree, uh, the choked the rope, end of the rope around the top of the tree and then went down. What was it? We built a three to one. And so we, and then hooked them onto a descending device on your harness. And so I think we pulled them up 
took the weight off, disconnected their lanyard and their climbing system that wasn't good, and then used your system to lower them to the ground off the three to one, and then you could go down and uh, get them at that point. I think that's what we did. Again, it was a couple years ago. I can't remember exactly. But we were basically we were doing spar rescue and we were coming up with different scenarios and playing with different ideas. And that's when we did two people on one uh, on one lower down system. But yeah, that might be a good one for us to train again because it's been a few years. Yeah. And uh, now you got the wheels turning about yeah. what to do and what not to do. Yeah, well, my buddy Charles and I, we tried. So there's a way... If someone's a based, or if someone's in a SRS configuration, yeah, you could climb up the tail of their line. It's not the best option, but it's an option, right? If their tying point's going to hold, if it's a base tie, if it's going to hold all of that weight, their weight and yours, their system's not compromised. You could access the tree from their climbing line, right? Mm-hmm. If the climb line's not wrapped around them, weird, like all sorts of things to think about. It's yeah, not yeah. the best option, but it's an option. We've done it, yeah, yeah. So go up their line, and then uh, there's a way without climbing above them to pick them onto your system. And the way I saw it was with a certain device. It's a, the ISC D4. It's rated for two people. It's like a rescue device, you know. But we tried it on a rope wrench like four feet off the ground just to try it. Yeah. And, yeah, it slipped. Oh, did it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're like, I'm glad I was four feet yeah, off the ground. Yeah, yeah we took a little, little jolt. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's uh, so. Uh, it's that, crazy, that, crazy to take those chances, you know. It, it it's such a hard one because in that situation, there you know, if someone you know if someone's going up a rope, they haven't pulled their tools out, they get hit by bees or something, you know, and but you feel like you can go up, you got a bee hood or for whatever reason you can go up and get them, you know. Then that's one thing. But if they've been cutting and like you just come around the corner and you heard the saw stop. And if they're high enough, you don't really know if that rope is secure. Yeah, for sure. You know, so it's one of those, like, going up their gear is a gamble. But then again, man, if my brother's up in that tree and aerial rescue, a big part of aerial rescue is time is a factor. You know, especially if they're bleeding, if they're not breathing, time is a factor. And where does that play into it? Yeah, well, still, the golden rule is not to become a victim yourself it's true 100 percent. so maybe training and just knowing what to look for yeah getting the like memory of like i'm looking at the time point the rope the harness you know what's wrong all that stuff and i think i think having a kit so if there's an aerial rescue someone just grabs the aerial rescue kit and even having a checklist in that kit saying like look for this look for this look for this you know, and you don't have to look for it. If you if you saw it go down and you know exactly what's going on, you might not need that checklist. But if you if you don't know what happened, it might be good to have some kind of checklist. You know, again, like the idea of going over a checklist in an emergency seems a little crazy, but it's also, hey, you might not be thinking straight if you have it in your bag with your rescue kit. I don't know. I mean, I'm just kind of coming thinking of stuff on the spot. Yeah. I helped my buddy Justin kind of put together a rescue kit like two weeks ago. Nice. Just hung out in a shop and we all just kind of talked on like what would be good stuff to have in it. Obviously like a full climbing setup, right? A saddle, rope, a system that everyone on the crew knows how to use. Maybe just like a hitch climber system or something. Yeah. And then what else would you guys have? You know, some straps, 
Pickoff strap. Yeah. Definitely strap, pickoff strap. Carabiner. Those really nice little rock exotic Florida ones to be able to pull someone off of there oh, and yeah. system and put them onto yours. You'd want your tourniquets and first aid stuff in there. Yep. And then uh we suggested like a hand ascender with they have the one with like the pulley on it or like a carabiner on it, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. For making a quick three to one to pick them off. Mm-hmm. One of those uh big five to one setups. Like a fiddle. Yeah. You know, because uh, if you can, you go up there, you might have to lift them. Or if there's a branch on top of them, you might need to lift something off of them. Oh, yeah. It's uh, it's such a hard thing because you're like you're planning for the who knows what. I and, know. like, what are you going to put, like, five grand of gear into a, a kit? I yeah. mean, if you need it, it's worth it. But that's a pretty big financial commitment for, especially if you're a small company. Yeah. For gear that you're not using. Unless it's an emergency, and that's what happens is then people start getting into that if they've got a small company and they don't have, you know, oh, I need a pulley. Oh, well, yeah, we yeah. got one in the first <laughs> or in the aerial <laughs> rescue, rescue kit. You got to worry about yeah. that too. Yeah, yeah. The I think the one of the kind of nightmare scenarios with aerial rescue would be something I've seen on on some videos on YouTube is. Uh, people doing palm trees that cut the fronds off and the fronds all get kind of caught up together and then they cut the one and the whole kind of skirt falls oh, on yeah. top of them and suffocates them and and yeah just kind of crushes them on their lanyard and like how do you get somebody off of that if you cut their lanyard <laughs> then the skirt keeps falling down and it just like that would be a pretty yeah, pretty man, tense no situation <laughs> yeah i don't i don't even know where i would yeah, start we don't that. have palms up here no no i'm not not really familiar with that kind of an aerial rescue. Yeah. Well, uh, fresh by. Is it uh, Javier that we're going to be having on soon? I think he's got some experience in palm training. Yeah, Ricardo does too. Yep, so we'll have to talk to those guys a little bit about it. That's that's one of those aspects of the industry you and me, all three of us, I think, are pretty uh, inexperienced in. I've never climbed a palm tree. <laughs> yeah, it seems crazy how they tie. And you just toss over the top of the fronds and base tie. Oh, really? Yeah, Tree Care LA guys are setting lines with drones now. Uh, maybe they're just messing with me on Instagram, but I think they are for for palm trees. For palm trees, it makes sense if totally. it just goes up and then come. If you could just release, yeah, it might be an issue if you start coming down. And the throw we'll ball gets caught up. Ricardo about that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, they seem like they're on the cutting edge of things. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it wouldn't work for most trees, but palms. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There are some trees. You'd be doing drone rescues all the time, <laughs> trying to set them <laughs> in a fur or something. Well, that's what I wonder if, you know, you see these drones that people are standing on and riding like surfboards. Have you seen videos of that? Yeah. Yeah, crazy. So a, a drone is powerful enough just to shoot a human up. I wonder if you, you know, how long it's going to be till there's a drone that you can just get to hover over the tree. That you're tied into. So you just set your line on it. You hover it over the tree. You set it to stay there. <laughs> yeah. And then you that can just be yeah. a, a tie-off <laughs> spot. Yeah. You just climb off the drone line. You just have the perfect tie-in oh point. Every tree. Every tree, man. Bomber wow. tie-in. Bomber tie-in. You know, it's it's good to go. Yeah. <laughs> it, and, and, you know, you're like, man, this, this is going to be a little sketch. I need to be able to swing that way. If things go south, you just fly the drone over that way. And, <laughs> you know, oh, I need to get to this other. I can't quite climb out there. You just bzzz, hover right over it. I mean, uh, crane access is one of the biggest yeah. challenges with crane work is getting getting it in there. 
or having a long reach. And so, you know, if they got powerful drones, you could use it for rigging. It, it's, oh, that'd be so cool. It sounds crazy now, but, uh, yeah. it, you know, we're, when you're talking like 30 years out, 40 years out, I don't know if it's that crazy. Yeah. I mean, hell, there's a drone on Mars right now. Yeah. <laughs> other other crazy uh, pieces of equipment that I've seen is those hydraulic systems that they connect at the base of the tree, and then you can cut it and slowly lower it with the hydraulics. Have you ever seen those on like a on fir tree removals where they'll connect like a a unit to the base of the tree that has a has a clamp above and below where you make the cut and then a hydraulic ram that like lowers a big tree down slowly and controlled and like they could lower it down and raise it back up and lower it back down. No, I've seen that. Yeah, there there's some pretty cool cool videos of some some like Can you look that up? Hydraulic controlled felling. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, you'll probably get those bottle jacks that they yeah. that they use, but uh, um, that's crazy. It's been a little while since I've seen it. It's probably been a year since I've seen the videos of it, but there, there were some pretty cool devices, and they were big. They were like you we know, need Lacey back in here on the uh, YouTube. Yeah, fifteen twenty inch diameter firs that are like eighty ninety feet tall. Yeah, wow. And they'd lower them down and raise them up and lower them down. Really, yeah. holy smokes! Just like a crane. Yeah. You know, you turn the tree into a crane, basically. That's cool. I went to an Arbor Fest. I think, you know, it was in Sacramento. And one thing they wanted to show everyone was, like, controlled felling. So they set lines and were going to, like, slowly lower nice. a whole tree, right? And the way they had it, they had two lines on this. I think it was a locust. Two lines on this locust. And the way it looked, like, just from where I was sitting, I was like, that tree's going to, like, swing off into the woods if they're not like <laughs> right on point and sure enough it pivoted oh, oh man up. all these tree people are like yeah, <laughs> <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <controlled> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> didn't do what they wanted it to oh man it it's uh like the old optical illusion yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm not seeing anything felling. on here yeah it it is crazy. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's absolutely nuts with what like an experienced feller can do. Yeah, you know, it, like it is just next level. Oh man, you know the when when you fall a tree and it gets tangled up into another tree and the angle is not very steep, so you can't really just cut the base out. You know, basically, if it if it say it's a hundred twenty foot tree and it falls into a fir that's like twenty feet away from it, okay, you're probably not just gonna you know undercut the trunk at the base because it's not really gonna fall out. It's it just gonna come down like one foot at a time and probably isn't gonna come unlodged. Oh, I see. You're you're you know, saying it's, it's like a, still pretty straight up and down. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Not a very steep angle. Yeah. Then uh, what these guys did is they they got like a four by six beam and they put like a 30 foot long four by six beam or 20 foot long big beam that they might have even milled it out. And um, then they notched the trunk to where they like connect. They cut like a um, they cut into the trunk to where they put the beam into the oh, trunk. I saw this, yeah. And then it slid out. Yeah. The tree like did a grind. It just you know it like just the nice. butt of the tree like grinded down this beam. Slid out yeah. the beam. I was like, oh my God, that's hot. So, yeah. so they 
they bored into the tree, ran the beam through it, and then did they lift the beam to like get the butt off the ground no, or they cut it? Cut they, or, yeah, cut oh, they just cut it. it okay, yeah, 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 yeah. So then it was able to slide free. Interesting. Yeah, and it and it like captured the trunk to where it just like guided it along this big beam. Yeah. You know, I've seen similar stuff. <laughs> so that was sweet. I remember seeing that. Another thing I've seen people do is take a lever and connect a lever to it. And then rotate the whole tree with like this oh, giant lever, lever yeah, and yeah, walk like it a, like a big uh, like a big um, pivot, PV. PV. Yeah, yeah, like a, a big PV. PV. Basically, they connect this a big long uh, lever to it, and then they turn the whole tree caught up in the other tree, so it rolled the thing off of the tree and just fell. That's yeah, really cool. Yeah, yeah. it it's cool. it's interesting using ways you know using your brain different ways to come up with the problem that's not what you think when you first see it you know you, oh yeah but the problem solver all right well let's uh unless anybody has any other uh stories from the field that was a good aerial rescue tangent <laughs> into failing techniques <laughs> um we got some questions from the interwebs let's nice. do it yeah so charlie jackson uh can you use a spider jack 2.1 on srt and if so how is the setup uh first i'll say i don't know i've never climbed with one yeah. of those things i i i don't know much about them but uh what do you guys got i've never climbed on one either or I'm, have i i'm looking it up now <laughs> sorry charlie oh no <laughs> is my mic good yep yeah. okay but I'm going to say read the manual, and it's probably going to say not to do it. But I imagine if you add friction above it, like a rope wrench or something, that you would be able to pull it off, right? Mm. right. I mean, know. that's kind of what I would imagine. Yeah. Again, we're not telling you to do this. Yeah, we're just getting creative. We're yeah. not going to just let a uh, question sit there and be like, I don't know. Yeah. We'll get creative. No, that, that's a really good It's a, a good moving. Point. It's a moving rope device, right? So it's designed to take half your body weight yeah. on it, right? Well, the the ART uh, friction savers with the pulleys, you know, or if you're just yeah. tying into a pulley system, then it's going to be taking more than half your weight. Right. Right. Yeah. Because you're you're kind of dependent on that friction on the branch to be reducing the weight. The that's weight on, on your, the thing. On your friction hitch. Yeah. So then the rope wrench would be adding that friction. But no, if 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 you have a if you're tied into a pulley in a moving rope system, Is it's. It? half your body weight and yeah. half your body weight on either side of it right because when you make one pull you're pulling half yourself up yep so i think you you could use it in a single rope if you had friction above or below yeah the system but you need to take like half of your weight off of that thing because it's not designed for moving rope yep or for it's not de designed for single rope not designed for single rope, right? It's yeah. designed for moving rope. So it's designed to take half of your body weight, roughly. And so basically what we're saying is there's already a device that's designed to take <laughs> half of your <laughs> weight off the rope. There's plenty, plenty yeah. of SR. And so you, you just figure out, you know, we're, we're talking about uh, kind of hybriding a system between a couple systems that in theory would work. Yeah. So people, now the zigzag has the chicane that comes with it and it's, a you know, pretty sweet srs device but prior to that people were throwing rope wrenches above it and using it yeah because it's it's that principle of taking the weight off of that system that's not de designed 
to have your whole body weight on it. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's what happened when we were single roping and you'd take a, a aluminum ring, run a loop of the loop above your French pressic through that and then clip a carabiner through that loop and then have a little strap and tie it in. And then you'd have basically a rope wrench before oh, yeah. there was a rope wrench. It's the same. idea. You're just, yeah. you're playing with an idea that something that wasn't necessarily designed for it, but you're f- trying to figure out a workaround. So what I would say is if you're going to try that, maybe first try climbing with two lines Yeah. in case, because what happens is sometimes, you know, the gear bumps into the gear in a weird way that will release it or, you know, the, Funny things can happen when stuff aren't designed to go together and you don't find those things till you're doing it. So my recommendation would probably be get a system that's designed for single rope and climb on that. Yeah. Um, But the spider jack, it does look kind of cool. It's basically, you have an ART positioner, right, for your lanyard. It's basically one of those, but with like a wood paddle that like puts friction on the rope. Okay. What about that, like stainless steel part of it? That so that's that's the the three. This one right here. Yeah. So is could you imagine that wood paddle getting in the way, or a rope wrench getting in the way of that wood paddle? Well, yeah. I I used to climb on the ART with the with the rope wrench. Oh, sweet. Yeah. So you know. So yeah, yeah you've I done used it. To climb on that. Yeah, way back in the day. Yeah, yeah. I used to climb on that. It was fine. You got the big Rob two it thumbs worked, up. Cool. For me, yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I, I used to, used to, well, what I climbed on was the, the ART doubled rope system, you know? So the part that had the little loop that would, you would tie the end of your climb line on the top of it and then would go up over the, it was made for doubled rope, not a lanyard. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's what too. we're talking. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You were climbing on one of the early spider jacks. Yeah. One of the, the early models. So, yeah. Uh, then I would just throw the uh, rope wrench on top of that, and and that that worked fine. I would just connect the rope wrench into that little uh, that little hook. No, it was it was did, like did, way, before way, that. Way, did yeah. did it have like a little piece of rope with like a, a ball on the end of it, and you'd like pull on that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would. Yeah, so that's is that the lock jack? Yeah, ART lock jack. Yeah, yeah. ART lock jack. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's the principle of putting friction above that. I mean, it totally worked. You're probably not supposed to do it. Yeah. Most likely not supposed to do it, but it'll work. Yeah, it'll work. <laughs> that being said, follow the industry. Yeah. Or follow what the... Uh, That's what it is. Right? The safe industry standards or practices. Yeah, or I whatever. mean, it was the model before that. Even. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, <man. laughs> That's awesome. It was just aluminum. There was no paint on it. <laughs> so is that little piece of wood hanging off there? You like would press that on the rope? No, it was it was just a little knob. There was a rope. Oh, you would that pull that. Knob, yeah, you just pull a wooden on it. knob. Yeah. It was just like a little golf ball sized wooden thing that you would pull on to repel. Huh. Yeah, that cool. was old school. I wonder where that piece of, of equipment Dude, is. Dude, you know uh, the Red Bull tree climbing competition. What the heck's it called? Down in Australia or New yeah. Zealand? Yeah, that w- it looks it's awesome. Slipping my mind what it's called. But uh, there was one dude who did it on a lock jack. Like, you know, these no moving rope. Yeah. But yeah, a lot of these dudes are ripping around on rope runners, just like wide open, big swings, just flying through these trees. And I guess, yeah, one guy was doing it on a lock jack and like (laughs) ripping. (laughs) I love the lock jack. Those videos are are fun to watch. What is that called? I'm going to look it up. 
Nice. All right. So uh, let's get to the other question or another question. Uh, Joshua Adam Light. How do you get a double pepperoni to the top of, or it says to the top of, but to the top if you're too lazy to come down? Yeah, the most important part is getting the insulated carrying case. Yeah, you do not want to get it cold on the way up. But that's also probably the best way to send it up, too. If you want a whole pizza, you get one of those carrying cases. It's got the handles on it. Oh, yeah. So, you know, you could balance it with like a You bring a up a good question. Is it a whole pizza? Or just a slice. Or just a slice. Yeah. And then can you take the pizza and can you fold the slices and stack them on to each other to create a more compact piece that will work through the branches better you know i i always just did it in the regular old pizza box and just threw it in a bag and hiked it (laughs) (laughs) a bag that's probably the easiest solution right a bag but a bag it's gonna fold up on itself right well i guess if it's in a box then you're not gonna have that issue yeah yeah we we've brought dinner up into the trees hundreds of times and it was always in a bag or we would strap things to get. I mean it, I was going to say you could drill through the corners of the pizza box so you can run a <laughs> rope through and <laughs> so there's lots of options yeah. you know and then what kind of tree are you going up cuz keeping it warm that's the it, most important part yeah is it is it a uh, is it like a conifer where you're going up through a bunch of branches cuz then is it easier to Climb it up a tree next to it and then zip line it over. Well, <laughs> you yeah. know, I mean, what are we talking about Drone here? Drone delivery. Drone delivery. Yeah. Well, well boom we truck, would... food truck. <laughs> 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 you just get in the boom truck and deliver it up to Hell them. Yeah. <laughs> it it depends. I mean, sometimes it's better to have somebody pull it up from the ground. Yeah. Other times yeah. it's better to have somebody pull it up up in the tree. You know, depending on how clear the route uh, yeah. is. And I just keep picturing folding, like, a fat slice in half and clove hitching it. You fold the whole pizza in half. And clove hitch it. And clove hitch it on it. That reminds me of when we Roll sent, it up. The, sent the donut up to Grits. We uh, we just carabinered the oh, donut. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Nice. Put the donut right under the carabiner and sent it up to him one yep. time. Well, I remember a client brought us donuts once, and it was like classic chocolate donut with like sprinkles on it, you know, and I put it on my pencil carrot tool right before I started climbing. Nice. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Fit perfect. So hopefully that answers that question, although uh, we love it. So any food-related <laughs> yeah, tree climbing questions, bring it on. Um, I think roll the whole pizza and clove hitch it on. <laughs> roll it oh, up. Nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> just be a mess. And, well, no, then they don't even have to unroll it. They just eat it like a pizza burrito. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. All right. Good question. Good question. All right. Uh, Philip Pilmer, a review of the sky hook. Yeah, I'm not sure what they're talking about. So when I hear sky hook, I think Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Yeah. So that revolutionized the game at the time. I mean, nobody could stop (laughs) Kareem when he started doing the sky hook. And then and then Magic came in with the baby hook, and those were some unstoppable teams. So uh, I've got it. You know, if I'm reviewing that sky hook, I've got to give it two thumbs up, man. That that was a game changer. Yeah. Then like the first sky thing hook. that pops up when you Google sky hook is a mechanical device used to supposedly operate the great glass elevator 
in Roald Dahl's children's book, Charlie and the Great Glass Elevator. So is that Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, so, right? like a spinoff? Yeah. Man, yeah. I, I would need more information. I don't know if I could give a good so review on that. He's wondering how to operate it? He just wants a review on the Skyhook. A, sky a hook. review you of are. the Skyhook. Okay. Um, and uh, like I said, Kareem changed the game. And I'm talking about in a way that, you know, game changer is thrown around. No, Kareem changed the way basketball was played. So, it you know, if I'm reviewing the Skyhook... It was a game changer. <laughs> but if there is a, a skyhook that pertains to tree climbing, we would love to get some uh, feedback from any of the listeners out there if you have more um, info on that. Yeah. Yep. Unless maybe they were talking about some kind of version of a captain hook, because that's the oh. kind of hook that I know that works in a tree. Yeah. You know, <laughs> oh, It's the sequel to Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. This is it was also a Yugoslavian film from 1999. <laughs> <laughs> nice. But yeah, I I haven't heard of the skyhook. Is you know, as it pertains to tree climbing. Yeah, neither have I. Unless they're there, talking about like setting a rope. You know the telescoping hooks? What are those called? The telescoping hooks. Oh, you hook talked things? about that for like grabbing a throw bag or yeah. something? Yeah. Yeah, those uh, uh, a lot of times in big tree climbing, people will take them up. Yeah, yeah. I wonder, wonder what those are called. Not sure. They're, that's they're, those are the only two hooks that I know about in trees. Is the captain unless hook you're and the sky hook. unless you're talking about the sky hook as far as when you take a rope and you wrap it three times and then you turn it three times and then you you know go to throw your rope up over that's a, a branch. Johnny ball. The Johnny. So you take a Johnny ball and you yeah. throw it up with a sky hook. Oh, okay. In which case, that's a that's oh, a great way to advance your rope, or the way Dan Krause throws a throw ball, or the way he throws a throw oh, ball. Yeah, yeah right. so that's a sky hook too. The Dan All Krause right, ten out of hook. ten. That's pretty yeah, sick. Yeah, ten out of. <laughs> yeah, wow. yeah, that's a top review. <laughs> that that you know what Nate or no, sorry, Philip, Philip's the one with the skyhook question that was a great question it's yeah. a 10 out of a 10 we didn't answer his question yeah <laughs> well we did to the best of our hey maybe we did yeah, yeah, we maybe that's what it. he was talking about maybe he wanted to know what we thought of kareem's way to change the game yeah you, you never know or dan's throwing style i wonder yeah. if dan knows what a skyhook is Maybe we should ask him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we should totally ask Dan what a skyhook is. He, he or just, yeah, even He's talk been in about the game for 40 years. The origin of his throwing <laughs> style. I would want to know that question or know the answer to that. All right, we'll take All right, a break. All right, so uh, <laughs> going to take a little beer break, and we'll be back in a little bit. When we get back, we'll uh, we'll give Dan a call. All right, we're back from our from our beer break. Um, <laughs> gonna get back into these questions and uh, yeah, should we get Dan on the line? Ask him about the uh, the skyhook. Yeah, sure. we definitely should. Hello. Hey, Dan, how's it going? Hi, good. How are you? Ah, we're doing good, doing good. We're uh, we're doing a little bit of a different episode tonight. We. We were going to do an interview with uh, Tim Kovar and kind of ask him about his career and kind of his unique uh, approach to the tree world, but that got bumped back. So we just decided to do a, a random show. 
And one, one of the things we were doing was answering some questions off the internet. And one of the questions was a review of the sky hook. And none of us knew what a sky hook was. Do you, do you have any idea of what a sky hook is? Is it the same as that uh, captain hook? <laughs> it's kind of what we guessed, but we also like made the connection of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's sky hook, the hook shot. And then we thought, well, Dan Krause throws the hook shot, you uh, know? So, <laughs> right. Yeah. I don't know. So I think they're both kind of maybe not right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, at this point, we're just having fun with it. Yeah, you know, yeah, we're yeah. we're we we're going to answer to the best of our abilities. <laughs> How did you start? Dude, I should know. I should know what a sky hook is. <laughs> How did you start throwing like that? Did someone show you? I started because that's the way I threw my rope when I was throwing a rope. Oh, like yeah. I'd make the monkey's fist and I coil it up and I toss it overhand to go to a branch because I started before the throw ball. Yeah, so yeah. I was throwing rope. I didn't know what a throw ball was. And then I was introduced to it and I was, I was like, figure it out, you know? So I just started throwing it kind of like I throw the rope. So oh, okay. I kind of got good like that. And then I found out actually throw it a different way, throw it like everybody else does. But I was already knew how to throw it overhand. So I just stuck with it, you know? <clears throat> well, okay. So you pretty much always yeah. throw it, throw it with the hook. Yeah. I throw like a, a hook, like a, yeah, like, yeah kind of swings behind my back. It swings behind my back and then I just kind of throw it up there. Yeah. yeah. Wow. No, I've, uh, I'll use that. I'll use the Dan Kraus technique every now and then, kind of that hook shot. If I'm trying to shoot uh -huh. straight up, you know, if like there's only uh -huh. only one spot you can get and you have to kind of shoot straight up to hit the shot, I've uh -huh. I've got more uh -huh. success doing that kind of behind the back hook shot to throw uh -huh. it straight up where if I'm trying to throw it out at an angle, then I'll do the pendulum to the side. Uh-huh. So yeah. It, it, yeah, it's good to have them both in your pocket. Yeah, for different stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. How's work been? Good. Busy. My poor foreman is, uh, he had an abscess tooth over the weekend. Oh, no. Ooh, the worst. And he, he didn't even know it. He's such a tough guy. <laughs> He's like, I, I can't open my jaw, and now it's swelling. So he went to the emergency room. And they emergency surgery. They like, oh, you need a surgery right away. They took it out, and another tooth next to it that was cracked. Oh, and so it's like, how did you not know you had an abscess tooth and a yeah. cracked tooth? <laughs> oh, yeah. Man. Oh man, indeed. Wow. So, so you've been helping cover for him? Yeah. So he's been out all week because he had that surgery, and now he's on. You know, he can't eat, and he's on meds and stuff and so i had another friend of mine came and you know how things work out so my friend is a all-around size mechanic and everything fabricator wow and so he filled in and my i'm using my nine inch chipper because my 12 inch is in the shop and my nine inch has been running worse and worse and so he was there, ha, <laughs> ha, So he got to run it, and he figured out the problem. You know, he dinked with this and that, and it was uh, a loose belt because the, the 
engine moved to engage the bell. Yeah. And all he had to do was uh, undo a couple bolts, you know, unthread them a couple, you know, three threads a piece, and then put them back on and move the engine further. Wow. And my problems were gone. It was nice. like, oh my god, he just paid for himself right there for the whole day. Nice. Just, so oh. is that a is that a Vermeer nine thirty five? Yeah, Vermeer nine thirty five. Yeah, those yeah, are those great are, little chippers. Those are good ones. Yeah, those those are great chippers. The the disc chippers make better better chips than the drum chippers. Yeah. Yeah, this one puts out a nice uh, pellet that you can shovel out. It's really nice. Yeah. Yep. There, that that uh, where you just shift the engine over to engage is such a great little engine. Me and Rob have an old one that's all broken down, and I'm actually uh, talking with a mechanic friend of mine because I want to put an electric motor on it and see if I can't make an electric chipper out of it. Because if you get the motor that can match the power of a of that small gas engine. You just got to mount it in a way that will shift over and you're going to have all the torque and everything of an uh-huh. electric, you know, so we're, we're kind of playing with that idea right now. Yeah. That would work out great if uh, electric engine could just, you wouldn't have to buy a whole new machine. You could just buy a new engine. It'd be fantastic. Yep. Yeah, we got we got two of those old 935s with blown motors. <laughs> <laughs> and those Wisconsin motors are like $10,000 are crazy. Oh, wow. Yeah, those little four-cylinder Wisconsin motors are really expensive. I wonder if we'll be able to put a electric engine and then a battery bank where the gas tank goes for the same price of a $10,000 motor. Probably cheaper. Probably. Just get an old Chevy Volt that's at the junkyard. <laughs> that's exactly what I'm thinking. Grab the, <laughs> grab the motor in the battery pack and fab it out. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I got a couple other questions from the internet. You want to help us take a stab at them? Okay. So uh, one, we actually already answered it, but I'm I'm curious to get your take on it. How do you get a double pepperoni pizza to the top of a tree when you're too lazy to come down? <laughs> I've never done that. I would just tie it on. I don't care if it goes sideways. You're trying to keep it flat? So, uh, well, we, we got creative. We were thinking you could roll it up like a burrito, you know, and then it oh. might clove be able hitch to it on. clove hitch it on. Yeah, we... <laughs> Kind of a silly. I would one. wrap it like a Christmas present. Just wrap the rope around it. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There, tie a bow for the climber. <laughs> <laughs> Nate Prussis was asking us to talk about speed lining a little bit. What what kind of advice do you have for someone trying to figure out speed lining? Oh, speed lining is fantastic. I do it all the time. Yeah, and uh, we. Uh, one of the things that's good, well, for a conifer, I mean, I speed line all kinds of stuff. Like I just speed line, uh, speed lined a Madrona uh-huh. uh, yesterday because it was, you know, it was next to a fence and then there was some shrubbery. And so I just zipped it past that into the yard. If you're doing conifers and stuff, have enough slings. I, I like to have like 20 slings. Yeah. So you're not always pulling up slings. You know, you can get a lot done. Do you ever and, do a uh, retrievable what? zip line system? So you, you get the zip line on a lower down so you can send it down and then just have the ground crew pull the lower down right back up to you and then send it down again? Oh, like a controlled speed line is what you're saying? Yeah. yeah. 
I, I do that for heavier stuff. Yeah. yeah. If I, if I'm roping stuff like, like big deadwood mm-hmm. and, and things like that, that I want to come down that controlled and big, yep. then we'll do that kind of trolley system. Yep. Yeah. I'll use a bear pot. Otherwise, I just have a ring. I have like just a wire ring that I hang on my belt, like a key ring, like the janitor key ring. And I just have 20 swings hanging on that. Nice. Yeah. I'll, I'll get a bear paw hanging on that retrievable system and get, you know, uh, five, six, seven, uh, taglines coming off of it on a big fur removal. So I can just, you know, set up like a whole whirl or two at the, at a time and then just cut them all and zip line the whole thing down and then they'll pull it back up and just do it again on the big stuff. What kind of, what kind of, Oh um, yeah, that's great. Yeah. Getting, um, yeah, a bunch of stuff on there. Yeah. What were you going to say? Well, I'm wondering what kind of safety concerns or like what what are the things that people should take into consideration involved with safety with zip ziplining, you know? Well, you got you got to have a good foundation. Uh, you got to recognize the forces that a zipline will put on the pole that you're on. You know, yep. You put some heavy weight on there, and they're tightening that up, and you're pulling at an angle instead of straight down the trunk. Yeah, yeah. So you need to be concerned about that. Yeah. And then the way the load uh, goes onto the zip line. So it doesn't, you know, it never fully goes on the zip line theoretically because it's sliding down the zip line. You know, part of that load is g- still dropping, but you are loading uh-huh. a, a line, you know, in that, uh, what's the config on, the, like uh, side vector. loading? Yeah, you well, got a vector. Ve- you're vectoring exactly. It you're vectoring it, which pulls way harder on the rope than yeah. what you might think. So if you're like, speed line yeah. a, a top out you're not going to face that top yeah. right on top of the speed line and drop it on there you yeah. know it's nice to face it to the yeah. side and kind of load that as it as it falls get a nice it's little swing yeah. i've even done it where i've uh actually sent the top at an angle in the opposite direction that way it kind of goes over and then the energy just oh. goes by the tree and goes keeps going down the line yeah. to kind of minimize yeah. that that load on it how how tight? Yeah, do you, there's kind of an art to it. Yeah, no, sorry. Do you ever go ahead? I'm I'm thinking of the tension on your on your pull line. You know, there's lots of different ways to tension it up. You could use a GRCS or you could use a skid steer. Or just tie it off to a tree. What what do you think the optimal tension is? I mean, do you think that uh, uh, more tension is better? Or? Depends on the situation. Oh, uh, right? it kind of depends. Yeah, it kind of depends. Um, you mean on the forces on it? Well, I think more tension is more force. You get that bow, get the tension, and then that piece hits it and makes it like a a draw a bow string, and it really can put some force in. So that's what you really but, have, uh, you want to be careful of is not putting too much force on, uh, just enough to where the piece isn't going to hit whatever you're trying to avoid. Yeah. Instead of instead of like if you go up to and you're taking a, you know, bigger top and you don't have to put as much tension on, maybe you shouldn't put that much on because right. it's gonna yeah. reduce right. the yeah. reduce the load on that pole. I think like what Dan yeah. said, when I'm doing bigger stuff, I'll put a controlled speed line on it, you know, so it the the lower down is taking a bit of that too. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So if you control the speed line, uh-huh. then you're not gonna be side shock loading the pole. Well, what I've even done is I've had the controlled speed line set up and had them slack the speed line. Yeah. So I send the top and it's on the pole and then I have them load the speed line and then send it down because then you're not loading that vector force 
you're putting it directly yeah, straight down that tensile strength of the pull is is catching the the shock load and then you're then you're raising up and tightening it and you can be in communication and Slide say it down a little more a little more a little more yeah. okay yeah. that's good and let's let it roll and then another thing to think about is you're talking about using the uh skid steer to uh tighten it and you might want to watch out with that because those skid steers you can put a lot of force real quick if you're yeah. uh, if you're not thinking about it uh. You know, so I, I kind of like the idea of actually having a GRCS or something where you're pulling on that rope somehow. Mm -hmm. yeah. So you can kind of regulate that a little better. It's kind of like the when we were yeah. we, we went to the rental place and they were they were certifying us in the lift operation, you know, and um, they were talking about how those scissor lifts that just like the 40 foot scissor lifts or whatever that just go straight up and down. that are like a little platform and with little wheels that are, you know. Uh -huh. You know, they said that you can pull one of those over with just, just the, you know, just hand strength. You can pull the whole dang lift over <laughs> with just the strength of a hand pulling sideways on it. Because oh, it's know? a lever. Uh, yeah. Well, it's just, it's where that force is being distributed. It, it It's only designed yeah. to be straight down. Yep. You can literally uh, pull the yeah. whole thing over those scissor lifts just with hand strength. I believe it. There's no outriggers on them. No. You know, <laughs> and it's a super short. It's like a what two and a half foot wheelbase or something. Yeah, those super small units. Oh, yeah, you know. Yeah, so. that's scary. The other yeah. thing to think about when you're uh, ziplining from a safety perspective is if you're ziplining chunks of wood down and you're they're not controlled, man, those things <laughs> will have fly. A way to stop. Them. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Got, no, you got for hit real. In the face. Well. Okay. With rope, yeah. So he almost went blind. Yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That that was a little different than what I'm talking about. We'll get into that story though if you want. <laughs> but what I'm talking about is when it, uh, you're sending a, a chunk of wood down and it zip lines down, you know. Yeah. Like that is a like a branch the tips <laughs> hit and kind of drag and it stops. A chunk yeah. of wood will come yeah, down and hit and like bounce and fly. Yeah, it yeah. is it is a wrecking ball, man. <laughs> Holy smokes. Yeah. I've had dreams about that. <laughs> but that's when, again, I would do a controlled speed line. Yeah. But, yeah, I've had nightmares about that scenario. Yeah. So, Dan, do you, have you ever done, like, the, the totally vertical zip lines with wood? Like I've you, tried it. Yeah. I've tried it. Well, yeah, vertical zip line just so it doesn't go bowling, balling away and stuff. Yeah. I've yeah. tried I've only done it a couple times, and it wasn't that great. I, yeah, because it was still, you know, the ground men had to get in there and then, you know, get that thing on detached, and it just wasn't the greatest. And then smacking your roots right there. Yeah, yeah, kind of scary. <laughs> well, yeah, we we were on a. Actually, I wasn't on the job, but do you want to explain what happened that day? Yeah, so I was I was doing a uh, a big fur removal. I was uh, it was on a slope. And there was a hill at the base of the slope, so we were using the vertical zip line to send chunks of wood down. And it was one of those jobs where we were just cooking, man. We were going fast, and you could see the early day in sight, which is when you make <laughs> mistakes and do stupid stuff. <laughs> I send out, I'm, I, you know, got the vertical zip line, and I'm just dropping them. I'm not lowering them. I'm just put, letting them free fall. And they would hit the ground, and it was working perfect. These chunks would hit the ground, and then they'd bounce like they were going to go down the hill. But then they would, uh, but then the rope would stop them. The guy would come over, you know, loosen the system, take it off, roll it into place. We're we're just, you know, like a well-oiled machine. And I was getting bigger and bigger with the pieces while the logs were getting fatter <laughs> and fatter. 
and I was just getting too ambitious with these chunks of wood. And it was uh it was dead fur, but they were probably I would guess like twenty four inch DBH chunks of fur. And then I was dropping uh, probably was, at like sixty feet. Yeah. And I was dropping probably eight to ten footers. You know, so they're pretty good chunks of wood to just be free falling. Yeah, it, it, it was. When I tell the story, I'm thinking like, what was I thinking? But in the time I saw the early day, yeah, I wasn't thinking. I was thinking about getting off early. And so what happened is uh, I send this big old chunk. It inverts into the inside of the zip line. So it's loading this rope, this giant chunk of wood as it's falling. Probably, you know, it's probably 50, 60 feet when I sent it. And so it's loading the wood and then it hits the ground. And what we couldn't see is underneath the ground, it was, uh, there was a sharp rock, like a big boulder that, you know, it's like a rock. The, these big rocks were just uh-huh. under the surface. And so it hits it, the piece of wood dents in and hits this sharp edge of a rock and it pinches the rope between the rock and the chunk of wood. So it loads it as it, uh, slides uh-huh. down the inside of the rope. And I'm, I'm looking at, I'm watching it as it drops, you know, and it just boom hits. And then it like in slow motion, the whole thing, the rope, all of a sudden I just see it come flying back up, up right at my face. And I just feel the rope just hit me square between the eyes. I mean, and it was one of those things where you're like, oh shit, it's coming at me, but it's happening so fast. You don't have time to react because you're in that like Uh time warp. Yeah. And it just hit me yeah. between the eyes. It broke my safety glasses in half. It it co- was coming up so fast that it actually knocked the girth hitch on the top of the that we we're that I was anchoring the zip line on the top of the round. It knocked that off of the top of the wow. of the round and just hit me square between the eyes. Wow. Yeah, and like it I had a big cut across my cheek where the safety glasses broke and then dug into my cheek. And then uh I just start seeing my vision start going tunnel vision and I'm, I was tied into a tree behind me and I had, uh, I had, uh, the, un- uh, unicender on, uh, I was climbing with the unicender tied into the other tree and I just, my eyes were just, the vision was just tunneling down as, as you know, after I went to the doctor found out that my face was just swelling from the impact. And so it was pinching the optic nerves. And, uh, wow. so like all of a sudden I just couldn't see and I would I'd, like squint my eyes real tight and then open them and get like a millisecond of sight. And so I just kind of, uh, grabbed the rope behind me, like slack the unisender, just put a half hitch on top of the, uh, on top of the round in front of me and then just lowered myself to the ground off of that just without being able to see just like real slowly going down the rope, just like closing my eyes and opening, closing my eyes and opening to like get these little brief bits of vision but yeah that was really scary and that that i am such a big fan of safety glasses uh i got there and the doctors were like yep those safety glasses saved your eyeballs there your left eyeball would have definitely exploded if it wasn't for safety glasses and they're like the right one wasn't as bad but it would probably have been having some serious issues and i've uh, my vision's 100 percent good now it like you know, I went to the doctor, they checked it out, everything was fine, and just as the swelling went down the next morning I could see just fine. But so, so the the take home message is be real careful with vertical zip lines <laughs> yeah. and the forces at play and then slow yeah. is steady and steady is fast. Yeah. <laughs> don't just go fast. Slow is steady and steady is fast and yeah, don't 
you know, the early day ain't worth pushing it. You know, it's one of those things where you got, uh, that's probably the, the biggest, uh, close, uh, close call I've had in a tree. I'll call it a close call. I got hurt, but it, it wasn't, you know, it was hurt where it got better. There was no, you know, surgeries involved or anything serious, but yeah. Crazy. Yeah. All right. Wow. So Nate, hopefully those speed line stories help helped you out. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh Spencer Schaefner, I'd like to know how you find such big trees. The we got that from a Facebook post where they there's a picture of a big tree Jamie was climbing out in the woods and how do you find big trees out there to climb? I'd say you got to live where there's big trees to start with. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Probably not. Parks, gonna... I get. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. For the parks. I mean, you're, you, we have these competitions all over where you think, what, what kind of trees they got there? You know, you don't think of it, but they have these parks, you know, city parks and stuff and they're all like you know 1500 year old parks and they plant all these cool trees you gotta go kind of ninja though climb yeah (laughs) well i remember the last competition we had it's like two years ago now (laughs) in seattle i think you were kind of running the show and there was a red oak for the the masters that was a monster red oak yeah 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 there were some big madrones there yeah, big trees and parks. Go to parks. That's a good good advice. Yeah. <laughs> and then you got... maybe I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you're gonna go to parks, get permission from whoever you're supposed to get permission right, exactly, from. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Of course, I meant that. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Of course. <laughs> we would never do anything but. <laughs> so I, I got I got hired actually by from the H. J. Andrews Experimental Forest. It's a sixteen thousand acre forest up in the woods uh east of eugene here in the willamette valley in oregon and um they they it, it was probably 15 years ago when lidar was kind of a newer technology it's like a mapping technology that uh sends a bunch of lasers and gives a um a, a 3d picture of the landscape and they they wanted to identify the 10 tallest trees at the H.J. Andrews Experimental Forest. And so mm. they did the LIDAR survey where they flew the airplane and did the LIDAR, and they they basically found uh, the 10 tallest trees that were between 280 and 300 feet tall up at the Andrews, and I climbed all 10 of them, and I took a, um, a tape measure, a 300-foot-long tape measure, and measured them with the tape measure all the way to the ground from the top of the tree. And, and that was pretty cool. They, and you know, they found the tallest trees there, but what they, what, one one thing that was cool on that project was, well, one thing was I met my wife now, but um, (laughs) (laughs) that's another story. But the other thing that's cool on that project is they found that the trees that were leaning or the trees that were growing on slopes had a different, measurement from the lidar technology so hopefully the uh research we did in in measuring those trees helped them kind of understand that technology a little better oh that's cool yeah uh-huh. and i know some some lar- uh, lidar projects are made public 
So yeah. maybe Google your area. I know in Eugene, all of Eugene and Springfield's been uh, scanned with LIDAR and it's public information. So you can get on the internet, look up. And then uh, a lot of times before jobs, if they say there's a big tree, Lacey will go and uh, oh. look up their property on this thing. Oh, and really? so, yeah, she'll know, you know, how tall these trees were like two <laughs> years ago or something wow. uh, when we go check them out. So yeah. what, what's the tallest tree in Eugene? I have no idea. That's a good question, we'll though. To, we'll have to check it out. Yeah. We'll have to <laughs> look over every tree in Eugene to see which one. <laughs> um, that was the one I was climbing today. No. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes sometimes height is relative. <laughs> All right. So the next question, uh, Chris Holbrooks, uh, let's talk about pine sap. How are you guys cleaning ropes on the go throughout the day without having to change ropes after coming out of the tree? Well, this is a good question for me to hear. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah that's kind of where know. I was. And like, the sap is flowing right now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, it sure is. Yeah. Maybe have them send up another rope. <laughs> well, I mean, gosh, that's a tough question. How to clean sap in the tree just pick it off if it's chunky <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. other than that just burn through it i mean i i've, I've had to work through sap a lot climbing the big like, like literally burned through it or <laughs> oh no <laughs> <laughs> no i i mean you just got to open up your climbing device and take a little bit of a jolt you know it's what i've found and 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 to get past that little chunk yeah to work through it you know to work it through your device uh-huh. Yeah. You know, other than that, I mean, the, the like, butter and mayonnaise and oil-based stuff will, will cut pitch. Say so you're just moving rope system, natural crotch on a white oak, you know, that'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> nice, yeah. Yeah. Keep working. Yeah, just keep working. Yeah. There's yeah. yeah. Work, you work through it. That's yeah. what you do is you work yeah. through it. Yeah, I think that's that's the best answer I got. If you're out there and you got a better yeah. answer, send it to us. I'd love to know. Yeah, I'm covered in pitch right now, and I don't know how to get it off. Yeah. <laughs> you just scrub and scrub. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, mayonnaise does work pretty good. Okay. Yeah, it, it's kind of what you guys really use mayonnaise. No. <laughs> like, yeah, no like mayonnaise. Mayonnaise can work. It, it's the uh -huh. oils break, you know, because it's pitch is oil based. Yeah. So the oil and mayonnaise will. But the question is, do you actually use that? Is that what you're doing? I've used it before on my on my arms. Yeah. 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 Like when I when will. you get I home. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I'll take butter and I'll rub butter on my arms. Or yeah, or uh, mayonnaise, or if, if it's oil based. I wonder if just like olive oil, how that olive works. oil works great. Yeah. Or or citrus, you can use uh -huh. uh, citrus as well. That'll cut it. Oh yeah, what's what's that citrus hand cleaner that mechanics use a lot? Oh, it's the Gojo. Or Gojo. Yeah, Gojo. That works pretty good. But the thing is, what it does is it, it gets the dirt out of the pitch, and then there's usually still a little bit more pitch. You know, it takes a couple goes. Well, I'll go home and rub mayonnaise on my arms, and I'll film my partner's reaction oh, to yeah, what I'm doing yeah. in the kitchen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, perfect. <laughs> then ask if they want a sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> Are you hungry? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, I, I've got a good pitch story. Uh, we were guiding up on the soda fork in this big, big old, like gnarly Douglas fir. It was actually a leaning tree, and the the ropes that we climbed up were like twenty feet plus away from the trunk of the tree for the first like hundred and fifty feet. 
it was pretty pretty wild climb but um it was just a bunch of reiterations and there was a bunch of wounds in this tree and we set the tree boats up and it and we're guiding so these people have never climbed before we just we meet strangers get to know them put them on the rope they climb up we enjoy the day come down <clears throat> have dinner you know uh use a bathroom climb back up to spend the night and uh we spend the night and, and in the middle of the night i wake up in this like young teenage girl is just screaming and uh and i'm like oh my god what's wrong are you okay you know and she's like there's pitch everywhere <laughs> it's, it's like my hair is covered uh, in pitch uh, <laughs> oh it was terrible like there was some oozing pitch like stream right on top of her head oh, while she was sleeping no. and her hair just got covered in <laughs> and we're like five miles into the wilderness you know, yeah. so there is no no barber like, shops, no, <laughs> no yeah. emergency response. It was it was just crazy. I yeah, one of those things that you just have to. Uh, <laughs> Did you tell her all you gotta do is go home and wash your hair with mayonnaise? <laughs> You're gonna be okay. You guys should have mayonnaise. In the <laughs> first aid kit. Yeah, yeah. So you just gotta keep working, work through it. <laughs> yeah, just work, work through it. it. <laughs> Sleep faster. <laughs> Oh, oh man. yeah, that was that was my most memorable pitch experience. <laughs> Probably hers too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hopefully she's out there listening to the podcast. Shout out to making it through the night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sounds like there wasn't much of a choice though. No, no. Yeah. Well yeah, she's more comfortable up there. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that's all the questions we had. Uh so if anybody has any questions they want us to answer, uh, just send them to treethinkingpodcast at gmail.com and uh, we'll give it a shot. If we can't answer it, we'll do it. And uh, Dan, thanks for uh, helping us work our way through those questions. Well, thank you. I don't know how much of a help I was, but uh, that was fun. Thanks <laughs> it's a fun. Yeah. Yeah, it, yeah. Perfect. Right on. We'll we'll uh we'll let you get going and we'll we'll talk to you later. Okay. Good night, guys. Have see a good down. night, Dan. We'll see well, that was fun. Yeah. Some uh, some questions and yeah, please send them. We have fun answering them. So uh, can't do it unless you ask them. I just thought of speedline and who was the one who asked that? Uh, Nate Prusses. Uh, check out Hunnicky videos. He's got a lot oh, of like good yeah. instructional. August Hunnicky on YouTube. He's got a lot of good instructional speed line ones and i know uh august has a kit tree stuff have a kit so you know uh look up speed lining kits you know there you can make speed lining kits by just getting some utility carabiners and some straps um but it, if you don't feel like going and making your own you can yeah, also notch buy has some one, right? yeah notch has one for yeah. sure um and so Wait, uh, has yeah instructional videos i almost feel like he's one of the guys who kind of popularized it yeah oh really it's seems nice. like it Nice, but I I'm pretty young in the industry anyway. But well, I mean, he just because of his reach, he popularized a lot of stuff. Probably, yeah. I, I thought Andrew made up the zipline. <laughs> oh yeah, I've been telling people that for years. Well, you, oh, no. you did actually in my circle and all, all the people that I know in in the tree world. I think Andrew was the spearhead on on ziplining nice. stuff out in, in our in our circles. Yeah. Well, that's the thing within our circle, maybe, but you know, I'm sure people were doing a oh, lot. Yeah. A lot of people were doing it before 2000 or whenever it was. Well, I first. 
started doing oh, it. Oh, another YouTube. A uh, Reg Coates has one where he talks about, like, usually when you think of a zip line, you're doing it in, like, a conifer, right? That's kind of, like, what comes to mind. But Reg Coates does one where he explains, like, how to do it in, like, a broadleaf tree where it's, like, spreading out, redirecting the line. It's really cool. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of cool different, little different techniques that you can kind of play with, you know. So uh, my advice would be just play with it. You know, just do it and uh, practice with low stakes and small pieces, nice. and go big. and yeah, learn from there. <laughs> or, or like Jamie, no, go no, big. No, Jamie no, said, "Go big, do it." No, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my my advice is though, if you're going big, just don't look down where it's going. You never know what could be coming back up at you. <laughs> hopefully, it's a pizza. <laughs> yeah, hopefully it's a pizza, and not just the rope. <laughs> <laughs> oh god the cheese is so hot <laughs> coming in hot yeah oh that's funny <laughs> uh well we got a five-star review oh nice so we can uh nice. we can we got another uh five-star review read by a dyslexic arborist okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh reverently irrelevant irreverent perfect you got yeah, it from uh the redwood pirate so <laughs> maybe i should read the five star review like this <laughs> uh this podcast has it all trees climbing laughing raking stools a great perspective <laughs> wrapped into hilarity coded in experience <laughs> The shows are loaded with tangents, twists, and turning, finally forming a gnarly, sprawling structure like a great Quarkus Gariana silhouetted against a dramatic valley sunset. Wow, sweet. So, yeah, appreciate that. Yeah, what was the name? Uh, Redwood. It, it be a Redwood Pirate. <laughs> 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 <Yeah>. <laughs> nice, nice. Yep, so, hey, man. Thank uh, you. Redwood Pirate, thanks for the shout out. <laughs> and if anybody else wants to hear me stumble through a five star review, man, we'd love to do it. So please, it, it helps get the word out. I, I'm not sure exactly how the uh, algorithms work, but I think the more uh, five star five star reviews and that you get, the more people they probably send it out to. So yeah. And try to write them in a way that'll really mess with Andrew. Like, yeah, I love really it. struggle to get. Yeah, I love a good tongue twister. <laughs> um, and yeah, uh, if there's you know there's lots of ways you can help out the podcast. Also, five star reviews are a good one. Uh, if you like and share the posts we put on the social medias, we're mainly on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, just look up Tree Thinking Podcast, and you'll find us. And then. You know, the best way, it's just like in a business. If you want to get the word out, word of mouth is the best way to do it. And especially a podcast that is, uh, we'll call it as niche as ours, uh, as niche. We, uh, you know, just if you know somebody that you think would like it, tell them about it. And we'd really appreciate that. And yeah, thank you so much for listening yourself. That's the best thing you can do is listen. So thank you. Yeah, I got one more thing. I think soon we want to do an episode where we just have people call in and you just talk about whatever you want. You know? yeah, yeah, big time. Let's just do you know a handful of people. But if you're interested in doing that, if you have a topic you want to chat with us about, um, yeah, we could schedule it up and we could let you know when we're doing the show and yeah. tell, us, tell you when to call. Yeah, email us if you're interested at treethinkingpodcast at gmail dot com. 
Yeah, that'd be great. That. We'd love to do kind of a collar. Well, one, anyone. Yeah. One of the big things that we why we started doing this is because we wanted to build tree community while we were all on lockdown and while you know we were having not being able to go to competitions and conferences. We wanted to be able to reach out to friends, and really, uh, it's it always kind of surprises me the reach on this show. You know, it's in countries all over the world. People are listening to it and all over the country. And so we want to hear one of the things I personally want to hear is just kind of get a feel for what tree work is like in just different cultures, different parts of the country, all that kind of stuff. So please, uh, we'd love to have you on. Yeah. And that could be like a series of episodes where every now and then we'll just do like random callers, like just call in and we'll chat. It'd be fun. Cool way to connect everyone, you know? Yeah, totally. And and what, what better way, you know, if you got a trick or you got a question you want answered or whatnot, man, we'd love it. We'd yeah, love it. We probably won't be able to answer your questions, but, but <laughs> we'll take your tricks. Well, no, no, no. We'll answer the questions. It might not be helpful. We might be telling you to roll your pizza up like a cigar, but, you know, we'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> Sweet. That was fun. Right on. Well, uh, anybody have any final thoughts or anything before, they, uh, before we shut down? I know it's, not, it's kind of a random episode. Oh, um, I would just like to touch back on the um, safety with aerial rescue and um, just confirming that you need to you need to cover your bases. You need to know what you're doing if you're going to do it. Don't yeah. try and attempt to do anything that you're not 100% confident in. And even in that scenario, if you are a professional and you're an experienced climber, slow down. Just slow it down, you know, ten percent, twenty percent. Double check, triple check your your climbing systems. Uh, take precautions. Be careful. Yep. Sweet. You got anything? Um, I can't stop thinking about clove hitching a single slice of pizza onto a rope. Yeah. So I might have to try it. Yeah. No, I. <laughs> I think. Uh, I think we might have to do a. a a gear review video, best way to tie Super a pizza. Oh, we pitched totally up piece of rope. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, my. It just came together. That's how you get the pizza oh, uh, pitch off oh, the rope. The, the, the grease from the pizza, just drip that onto the pitch. You'll be good to go. <laughs> Perfect. That's your entire clove hitch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, yep. And I think that pretty much covers it, so... Yeah. Stay safe and tie that pizza tight.